Hello everyone, how you doing? This is Aaron Maurer, and I want to welcome you to another edition of Living on the Edge of Chaos podcast. Woke up at six o'clock in the morning, chilling with coffee mugs, me and coffee chugs, talking education all across the nation, pushing boundaries, thinking innovation. Aaron Maurer, outside the box thinker, here to teach each and every teacher how to tinker. Living on the edge of chaos, born insane. Listening to coffee chugs like caffeine for the boring. One of the top teachers in Iowa, word is born. Here to show the world that there's more here than corn. Chaos. So welcome to this episode of Living on the Edge of Chaos podcast. As I said before, my name is Aaron Maurer, and this is my podcast dedicated to pushing the boundaries of this thing called life with an intentional focus on balance, education, technology, and all the other concepts that I believe will help us find some pathways as we push our comfort zones and the edges of our comfort zones out to the brim of chaos. And my goal is to bring to light some ideas and questions, uh, people to add to your network, books and articles and all those those things that help us become better learners that will hopefully you know, spark new ideas for positive change and growth within ourselves. This is episode 109. I'm so excited to have this episode as we're going to be taking a look at, I say we, as you, the listener, but it's, it's, it's my voyage, my journey of looking back at 2019, where I had the theme and the word essential. And so I hope that you are settled in because this is going to be a lot of self-reflection, a lot of goals, and where things are going to be heading in 2020. And I think there's going to be a lot here for you to learn from based on my own journey. So I have here my uh, trusty cup of coffee currently drinking the Starbucks Holiday Blend, one of my favorite coffee blends at this time of year. Um, So I hope you've got your tea or coffee, whatever you prefer. And let's get into the action here. So as you may have already noticed, I am adjusting the beginning of this podcast. I'm trying to make it sound a little different. The music and the theme is going to remain the same. But as I'm preparing for some subtle changes to the show, um, you know, I spent most of 2019 being very intentional I'm creating episodes of this podcast with a regular weekly posting. Uh, That didn't always happen. It came in in chunks due to work and family and uh, interview scheduling and that kind of thing. But I was able to put together 30 episodes. And looking back at my year at the end of 2018, one of my major goals was to actually put deliberate, intentional focus on the podcast. To bring in guests that we're going to push my thinking, to read and reach out to authors and, and people who are writing um, opinion pieces and, and research pieces and magazines and other publications to come on the show and to grapple with some topics and, and more importantly, to celebrate educators. There's so many amazing things happening. It's easy to kind of get caught up in the nuances of negativity. And I feel like this year I really did that. I feel really good about where the podcast has gone. My numbers and my analytics have started to greatly increase, especially as I shifted platforms and I just I lost a lot of numbers and, and analytics and kind of had to start from ground zero and made lots of gains. And I'm really looking forward to uh, tackling 2020. And so as we head to 2020, I'm going to continue to pursue people and ideas that are doing the very thing of pushing the boundaries of education, ourselves, reflection of our own social-emotional well-being, you know, and, and while I'm doing that, also looking to kind of tweak things in a manner that make this work feel fun again, 
and engage more of the listeners. So with anything, when you don't do this as a full-time job, it's something that you do on the side at 4 a.m. and on the weekends and late nights. You know, as much as I love podcasting, it's one of my favorite things to do. Um, it very much became work. The editing and the narration and trying to find time to work with people and working with tech and audio and then editing the audio afterwards and just all that stuff. And so I'm really looking forward to 2020. So in this particular episode, as I mentioned already, there's not going to be a guest. It's just going to be me. And we're going to be talking about my theme, Essential. Uh, Essential was my word and my theme for all of 2019. We have a few days left in the year, um, but I think it's a good time to revisit uh, the blog post where I posted this back in January and just kind of see how I did with intentional focus. I think this is something that um, many of us overlook in our jobs, in our personal lives, is we make goals, but then sometimes we have a really hard time having intentional focus and reflection on where are we. And I'm not doing it in terms of data and analytics. I think that can kind of get lost. I, I, I believe that life is not so black and white, and I don't need to have numbers to tell me whether I was successful or not, but just looking at the journey itself um, and, and, and taking a look at that. I'm also going to be sharing some apps and books and other items that I used and found very helpful in my journey of self-discovery in 2019. So make sure you stick around for that. And I'm also going to be sharing some exciting news and updates to this podcast um, and my website, The Coffee for the Brain, for what's coming in, in, in 2020. So let's get right into this episode. Um, there's not going to be any guests, as I already shared. So this is going to be pretty much me for the next hour. Um, sipping coffee and sharing personal reflections on what was both a successful and very difficult year. And I'm doing a lot of this for me, but also hopefully for you. And so as you're listening, if you have things that resonate with you, um, if you have ideas and suggestions and strategies or, or you had things that worked or didn't work, please reach out, leave a comment, reach out to me on social media, um, email me. A lot of you have ways to get a hold of me. Um, I would love to hear from you. And so part of my rationale for this is that it's my hopes that sharing these ideas and things that worked and did not work uh, for me will help someone listening and more importantly create some online conversations. So as I'm shaping up and the next episode is actually going to be the announcement of my word and theme for 2020. Um, you know, I, I want to hear from you too because maybe there's something there that that could help me become better as a, as a person. And so, as you do that, you know, you can head to coffeeforthebrain.com backslash 109. There's going to be a link there to all the show notes, um, links to anything that I mentioned here today, to the books, the apps, the tech, uh, all that kind of stuff. And then um, a place for you using Flipgrid to leave questions, comments, and suggestions. And I would definitely, definitely love to hear from you. One of my goals um, is to make this more interactive. So, the very first topic that I have up on the board for us to discuss are the podcast changes. And so I wanted to start off with this topic because I can't wait to share with you some news heading into 2020. We're going to dive into this more in the next episode, and you're going to start seeing some things here on the website, coffeeforthebrain.com, very, very soon. I'm just waiting for a couple little pieces um, of details to come through. But I want to 
think about the reflection process, not just for me in 2019, but I also started looking at like where I first started. And when my blog first started, it was on Blogger before I moved to WordPress. Um, and, and, and as I started the blog a very, very long time ago, back when I was teaching sixth grade, so we're talking 15 plus years ago almost, um, I used it as a place for me to share book reviews, for my middle school students I was teaching. At the time, I had a, a, had a literacy class, and so all we did was read and talk about reading and discussing books and poetry and things like that. And, and during that time, I would read between 150 and 300 young adult books a year, and I would share these books. I'd try to find these really obscure books, and I would do these big book talks, and all the kids would come in, and we just, you know, just had a lot of fun doing it. And it came a place for me to share my love of, of reading um, with students and parents, and it also became the place where I would share lesson plans and all the resources for my classroom. Um, that was back when we had to use Adobe Dreamweaver, and I would load my whole website at home up on a flash drive and then I'd have to go into school and load it up on their server and it was just a huge massive ordeal not like it is today clearly the site has changed over the years um, and even when I left the classroom and became an instructional coach and worked in Talented Gifted and now even out here in the AEA um, I used to write a ton of book reviews every time I would read I would write a book review on my website and something kinda happened over over time um, I stopped reading, and I mean reading for, for pleasure. I was reading a lot of stuff for work, and it was just kind of burning me out. And as a result, I quit writing book reviews, and it kind of left my, my, my habits. And I started to take that time and fill it up with other things that weren't uh, maybe as positive in um, helping my well-being. So as I dropped this habit the last few years of reading and then obviously doing book reviews, and so as I started to focus on my theme of essential this past year, my reading habits became a focal point. And here towards the end of 2019, but really throughout the year, I was trying to build up my love of reading again and doing it for the sake of reading for pleasure and not work. So what has started to happen was I started to do all this reading for my job and I was reading, which is important. I still do that. But getting back to just reading for enjoyment, reading when I had downtime as opposed to just checking my phone, um, that kind of thing, building time for myself. So heading into 2020, um, and I'm going to be doing something really kind of cool. And in the next episode, as I share, I'm going to be unveiling my new word for 2020. But part of my journey as I'm mapping out my next year is to bring back book reviews. I've been starting to do that on Goodreads, but actually trying to intentionally bring it back to the blog and actually build more reading time into my life. And I've been sampling with this the last couple of weeks. Like even my kids are like, gosh, all you do is read. So I'm trying to just figure out how this looks and feels within the life of being an educator, being married to an educator, having three children at three different grade levels, you know, of high school, middle school, and elementary, and just trying to find um, ways to make that work. And so I'm really excited to share this with you. But what I want to do is give you a little tip for what's to come. I'm going to be posting here very shortly within the next week a list of books that I plan on reading for 2020. And this initial stack I've selected um, for a very particular reading. And what I'm looking for is for guests to join me in a roundtable discussion of the books. 
And so be on the lookout for my site for this, this piece that's going to be posted here very soon where you can sign up and say, yes, I'm going to read that book. I want to read it with you and I want to have a roundtable discussion. And my goal, not just to increase my reading time, not just to increase my pleasure of reading, but I want to create my engagement around reading. And so one podcast a month is going to be a roundtable discussion on a book with guests. And we already have the first book underway. We're getting all that stuff set to be recorded here very soon. I can't wait to share that with you. So be prepared for making this happen in 2020. And if you are a reader and want to join in and kind of the, 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 the coffee chug, the coffee for the brain book club, so to speak, um, be on the lookout for that because it's going to be coming out very soon. Um, I also want to make a note here to my listeners and to my guest of the show that due to some some family life events and some things just around mental well-being of myself and my family, um, I am behind on publishing some podcast episodes. I have in my grasp seven phenomenal episodes ready to be published. Um, by ready to be published, I mean I have them recorded, I've done the interview, I just have to edit and get it all sent up to the website. And so these guests are going to be featured here very, very soon in January 2020. And so my goal over winter break is to prepare all of them and have them released as soon as possible. And so I'm apologizing now to the guests who haven't seen their episodes published, but they're coming. And I'm so excited to get them out because they are phenomenal. We are talking about some really, really powerful topics that I cannot wait to, to get out to the masses for you to learn and listen from. But you know, sometimes life throws you curveballs. And when that happens, you have to hit the pause button on things. So be ready for some incredible shows right away between the book roundtable discussions and these guests coming to the show. So let's get into the revisit of my word, essential. So back on January 14th of, of 2019, I posted a blog piece called Essential 2019. And I was a little late to the party. Most people are already announcing their words or their themes or whatever it might be for the year. Actually, right about now. So right away on January 1st, you're ready to kick off and get going. Well, last year, I didn't get to that point because I was struggling. I was struggling with doing this. I have done this before where I've chosen a word or a theme and it has failed miserably. I start off good for about two, three weeks, maybe even a month, and then it kind of dies off. And I realized because doing that, it was becoming one more thing on my plate that was already too full. And so I remember looking back at my notes. I have them captured. I was reading through them. And I had this focus. I had it on the, on the blog piece as well that my, my one of my goals in 2019 was to focus on less and to focus on what was important. And, and that's where the word came from. And I had to make sure that I cut things out of my life in order to do that, which is why I chose essential as my word. And it finally kind of came to me, which is where I started a couple weeks late into the journey. But it's been my most rewarding and successful theme um, that I've done. And I've been doing this now for several years. And, you know, to set the context that I'm at a point in my life um, and I still am, and I'm still going to be here for the next couple of years, where my kids are actively involved in many things. And my wife is an educator. And as anyone who's in education knows, the job is demanding more and more and more. I watch her work later and later into the evening, later and later at night, more stressed, more burned out, more frustrated. Um, and it's rarely with the kids, even though there's lots of warning signs that things need to happen to support kids. Um, 
you know, so it's just as I see that and I see the, the, the pressures of my own children with a freshman, a seventh grader and a third grader, and then trying to balance what's enough or not enough in terms of extracurricular, you know, it, it all becomes a lot. And so I had been pushing my own comfort zones. And in 2018 and in 2017, I really had goals to really push myself hard on being able to share my message. It's something that I've shared with teachers time and time again. And I was like, you know what, I have to model this. I have to lead by example. And so I was traveling a lot for conferences, leading workshops and sessions and having my first official keynote and, and really, really powerful stuff but it was pulling me away from my family. And I realized that I need to slow down and to be home more, and more importantly, to not do it all. I felt compelled in this role of STEM lead, which means everything under the sun anymore, um, that I had to just narrow it down and really focus on just a couple of key things that you wanted to be good at and letting the other things go. And that was really hard. And so that was another reason why I chose Essential for 2019. Um, and I chose the word because it was a daily reminder for me. I created a wallpaper that's actually the wallpaper for every single device that I own, and I own quite a few. Um, I created a vinyl cut for a journal. I bought a, um, a, a journal, a Scribbles That Matters planner that allowed me to map out each day, and it was grid dots, um, a phenomenal journal, actually one of the best ones that I've seen where I was tracking my emotions and different things like that um, and on there I actually made a vinyl cutout of a little design that my my grandma my grandma Betty used to always draw in all the birthday cards and holiday cards that we would receive um, and I finally found one she doesn't draw it anymore but she used to every single card for just geez for for years um, and so I was able to load that up and make that part of my journal um, so it kind of gave it this this real powerful reminder of the essential of family and, and, and friends. Um, so as a result, one thing that I can say, one important growth for me was learning to say no. Um, I work in a job, we think we all do, where we're constantly asked to do one more thing. We have a society where no one really wants to volunteer to do the work, so they're constantly looking for people, and it ends up being the same group doing things over and over again. But this was a year that I learned to say no. And I'd been working on it for some time, and it wasn't very successful, but I finally stuck hard on this. And the reason I was able to do that um, is none other than because of my wife, uh, who helped me kind of develop a backbone. Um, but the result of saying no was that I was home more, and I've never been more at ease and more happy um, than being home more than I have been this, this past year. You know, I wasn't missing my children's events. I was able to support my wife and her work and at home. And um, it seems like a no-brainer when I'm saying this out loud, verbally expressing it here for this podcast. Uh, but the daily grind makes it not so easy to say no. You sit in a meeting or you work with your teammates. You don't want to let them down. I think it's the, the, the brain wiring of educators. We always want to help others. Um, and so time and time again, I was saying yes, yes, yes. And now I'm saying no or passing. And sometimes it doesn't look like you're a team player, but I have to take care of myself. I have to focus on what it is that I need to do to be successful both in life and work. Um, and this is something that I see in my own colleagues um, where we're constantly pushing, 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 but I always think back and ask at what expense and, and what gain. Um, we have to take care of ourselves first and foremost, and that means learning to say no sometimes. 
So getting into the theme of essential, I had mapped out, and you can look at the, the blog piece from back in January. I'll link it here in the show notes. Um, I broke down essential not just as a word, but as four categories for themes. And this allowed me to kind of have focus and more intentional reflection throughout the year. Um, and so I was able to break essential down to essential health, essential wealth, essential work, and essential home. Um, so let's dive into each one of these. And, you know, as I share these, I'm going to give myself a grade, but I would love to hear from you. Did you have similar, what worked for you, what didn't work for you? You know, we can kind of keep this, this conversation going, uh, both on the Cuff for the Brain um, page on Facebook or on Twitter or on the Flipgrid, whatever it is that you want to share. I would definitely love to hear from you. So let's start with the topic that I really wish I could just avoid completely, and that is health. Um, and for essential health for 2019, I actually had, um, I'm not going to say five goals, but five things I wrote down that were going to be a focus of me um, to try to put deliberate, intentional practice towards. One, I want to get back down to a reasonable weight. Um, and as I stated here, that didn't make me cringe when I saw myself in the mirror. Um, I wanted to get back to high-intensity exercise that I used to crave and love so much. I wanted to add mindfulness to my day. Um, I wanted to focus on how to improve my sleep because my quality of sleep was terrible in 2018. And I wanted to focus on creating spaces in my day to help me keep centered on what was important in life. Okay, so I'm just going to be transparent, open, and honest. I failed in health. Like I'm literally going to give myself a, a D minus in this category. And I'm not being too judgmental. Um, I'm being completely honest. The positives for me were that I did sleep more and I did get better sleep. I'm still a restless sleeper. I'm a light sleeper. The smallest thing can wake me up. And when I'm awake, I have a very hard, hard time falling back asleep. But I did sleep better. I really put a lot of practice on that. I made sure my caffeine intake stopped at noon. Um, I made sure that I got myself to a place that when I went to bed, I went to sleep. Maybe some light reading, um, not having the TV on. I tried to calm myself at night leading up to bed. Um, just all those things. Uh, I'm still not the best sleeper, but I feel like I had the best sleep that I've had in a very long time. Um, the other positive I would say is that I did create space in my day. I intentionally planned my day to make sure that I was doing work during work hours. I'm still not very good at this. I still spent way too much of 2019 waking up at 4 or 4.30 in the morning and doing work till 6.30 in the morning before getting the kids ready and then heading off to work. Um, but I did do better in intentionally planning time. So in my position serving 21 school districts, I'm asked, just like everybody else that I work with, to constantly create and develop whatever it might be. PD, lessons, ideas, feedback, yada, yada, yada. Um, and the problem is when you're traveling from building to building to building to building, the only time to do that is before and after your job. And so I made sure that I tried to package time where I had chunks of time in my day where I would spend two hours and actually just do that work. And realizing that my work is creation. My work isn't to just drive around and create a to-do list and then do the work in the evenings and the mornings. Easier said than done. Something that I want to continue to improve on in 2020, but I did do a better job of intentionally planning it in my Google Calendar saying, boom, 
work time, boom, PD development, and mapping that in there and holding myself to it. The negatives. My weight is an issue, and I know the numbers shouldn't matter, but my weight, I'm still not where I am. I'm still not satisfied with what I see when I look at myself. My eating desperately needs to improve, and I have tried many things. I've tried the things that used to work really well for me back in the day. It's not working. I've tried different kind of strategies and scanning barcodes and doing point systems and things like that. It just didn't connect, um, so I've got to get to that. I'm getting to a point where bad eating habits are going to start to have some terrible consequences. Um, and with that comes with random eating. Having a job where I'm constantly in flux day to day, depending on what I'm doing, I have to do a better job of creating habits and patterns um, to eat on a scheduled time, which I think will help with the terrible eating. And I did not exercise well at all. Um, and so this has been a recurring nightmare for me. Um, and I didn't do very well in mindfulness. This is something that I'm not going to do, not just for myself, but with my family in 2020. So we'll talk about that in the next episode. Um, but I am going to build that in. I have increased reading here in the last month or two, which is good. So I kind of weave that under mindfulness, but I need to do a much better job. So I need help um, when it comes to health. What works for you? What What is helping you get out the door? What's helping you sleep better? What's helping you with your eating? What's helping you getting exercise into your day um, what's helped you build the habits really um, and, and to build that better self image I mean I'm definitely asking here because I need guidance so this is paramount uh, for me moving into 2020 and it's going to be a, a real deliberate focus for me um, for the next year the next topic is essential wealth and no one really likes to talk openly about their money and finances and I'm not going to get into all the nitty-gritty details um, I'm not super comfortable talking about expenses and finances. I don't think anybody really is. Um, and I think it's something that most of us avoid and we hope will just kind of take care of itself. Like it just kind of will just drift off into the void. Um, my goal in 2019 was to build a better understanding of our finances as a family to the point where that if I, if I had to, I could c take control of things and be able to make the proper decisions and make plans for the future of my kids and really put a, a laser focus on, on debt. Um, and so I started to dabble in the debt snowball idea of Dave Ramsey. Uh, we're not tied directly to this. We're not following it toe to toe. Um, but I found the debt snowball planning and framework to be super helpful. So I've been mapping out spreadsheets for each month where I've been looking at our goals, where we are, where we're going to be, the amount of interest and payoff and all that good stuff. And I can honestly say that seeing the realities of things sucked. When I mapped all this out in January, I was like, ugh, we're not financially strapped. We're, uh, this is not a pity party. But we were not in a position of looking at my age, uh, where we are, where we want to be, like, hey, we can we can do better at this. We're not very good at money management. Um, but we started to have these monthly focus and checkpoints. It really started to work. And when I look back at it, you know, this time of year is stressful with money and the holidays and all that good stuff. But when I look at where we are in December of 2019 compared to January, holy cow, it's a great reminder that having these mini checkpoints are super, super helpful in the moment and also long term to remind ourselves where we were and where we are and really allowing yourself to pat yourself on the back and going you're doing all right like for us we we're able to knock out close to thirty thousand dollars of debt 
um, this past year without sacrificing a whole lot in our lives. Maybe, maybe me not having Amazon box on the front step would, would solve a lot of that. Um, I mean, one of the things with that debt snowball, we had eight sources of debt, um, and now we're down to four of those. And one of those is obviously our house. Um, and so, I mean, that's something that not to beat yourself up about, but, you know, we have lots of work and we have a lot of things we need to do. Um, as a family of five, it's never easy, especially the grocery bill is crushing us every year. But seeing the process was very important to see that it was actually working. Um, the reason that I'm sharing all this is that I think my biggest takeaway is creating a system so that you can see your progress. Um, without this, I don't think I'd feel better about things now. As I'm getting stressed about finances this time of year, like it was a good reminder, like, hey, you're actually doing well, so relax a little bit. Um, it's something that always stresses me out. I think it stresses a lot of people out when it comes to money. Uh, we always wish we had more and all that good stuff. But, you know, overall, I'm giving myself a grade of a B. Um, I know that I personally need to improve my impulsive shopping habits on Amazon. Um, and as we move into next steps, you know, exploring the topic of, you know, travel and financial gain you know what is the cost for me to travel we talk about being home more for me we finally sat down so we should have done five years ago and said this is the price point that if you're going to leave to go do speaking or workshop engagements they need to pay you for it to be financially worth it for you to be gone um and that has paid huge dividends and, and it's also helped me to say no as a team here's our unified front either you make that happen or you don't and it's been really hard for me to leave some work on the table, but in the long run, it's so worth it. I mean, what's a few hundred bucks um, if you're miserable? The third topic of my essential was essential work. So I had a focus on health, which I didn't do well on. I had a focus on wealth, which I feel much better about, giving myself a B. Um, the other one was a focus on work. And you could check the graphic. I had these in these four quadrants. I actually think it turned out pretty smooth. Uh, but my goal for work in 2019 was this. Um, I said I want to continue to build up the strength and confidence to say no to work that I'm not devoted and are passionate about. I have a job. We're asked to do many things all the time. And sometimes we're not even qualified to do the work. Um, I personally don't feel comfortable leading people in work that I have not done personally. That's just a philosophy of mine. If I actually haven't taught it, if I actually haven't built it or made it or documented it, um, who am I to turn around and tell someone how to do it? Uh, it's the reason why I have so many bad YouTube videos. I'm constantly trying to teach and write up blog posts like, how would I teach this? How would I explain this? Um, here's how I did the work. I think that's really, really important for me in terms of building authentic buy-in from the audience. I want them to be able to go, geez, he's done this work. Um, and so it's the philosophy of mine. And I've tried to stick to this in my work. And it's not easy. Um, as, you have, as you do have to balance being a team player and stepping up in times of need and, and helping people when they need help um, and picking up when there's help needed. But I've tried to stick true to my work and be strong when asked to do things I wasn't passionate about or things I just didn't feel comfortable doing. I think a lot of times we, we try to be tough and be like, yes, I can learn this. Yes, I can do this. Uh, when maybe it's not my place. The biggest thing, even outside of that, was focusing on a few things and doing those few things really well versus doing many things and being average in them. 
Um, this has been a hard shift for me because I get a wider range of questions um, and people wanting help, but this has really paid off. I have felt the happiest in my work. In the three years in this position, 2019, I have felt the most satisfied. And I think it's because I finally just said, I'm really good in these things and these other things. I'll help you, but I'm not an expert. Um, and so if you look at my blog, there's been a much narrower focus than even what I've shared on the blog. I mean, even in the realm of makerspace, STEM and computer science, there has been a clear, clear, narrowed focus in what I've been posting. The things that I struggle with, though, when it comes to work is that I'm still getting up at 4 um, and doing work till 6.30 before I get dressed for work. I've tried not to do this, um, but I keep falling into this bad habit. That 4 a.m. time slot needs to be me time. My time for reading, my time for mindfulness, my time for exercise, my time for focus and reflection. I'm just struggling on breaking the mold of getting up, making coffee, and then getting to work. Um, you know, I can make excuses, and I've used these, like, I just don't have enough time, I just, the only time I can get it done, yada, yada, yada. Um, I do have to realize that while work is important, it's not so important that I have to sacrifice my health and my mental well-being. You know, and really working hard to think about either I get it done, or it moves to the next day. And I live and breathe with the next day. Um, so I have to learn to grow more comfortable in this kind of mindset. Um, some might argue that this mindset makes you a poor employee, but I would argue that I, that dying young and having health implications is not a good employee either. So I'm giving myself a B for this topic as well because I felt like I made huge strides, but I still need a better balance between me time and, and work time. The other fourth quadrant or theme under essential I had was home. Um, this is probably one that should be the most important. And this was the one that of the four, I spent the most amount of time on this year because I felt that as I was trying to reset, so to speak, of the four of the personal journey, this was the one I had to take care of first. If I take care of my presence in home, the health, the wealth, and the work will naturally take care of themselves as a byproduct. And so for me, the personal journey of being a better husband, dad, friend, coach, and worker was, was paramount. I did write down the following goals for this section in that blog piece from January 14th. Uh, the first one was decluttering and removing all things from my house that don't prove essential to help, help us keep in perspective what is important. Byproduct of that is you quit buying stuff. It helps with your wealth category, right? Um, I needed to not only declutter, but then remodel and update spaces to promote the decluttering process. Um, I needed to create a home that creates ease when you walk through the door. I needed to be home more with my wife and kids. And I also wanted to make our home the foundation for which all things develop. So anyone that does stuff in the makerspace realm or hands-on building and learning you know you can quickly disguise that as um, a hobby that makes you a hoarder and we like to call ourselves other things resourceful things like that but you can easily pack it a lot of stuff in not having a classroom no longer having my nonprofit space um, I could quickly clutter up this house quite a bit with all the things that I'm, I'm trying to do um, for my my job serving schools 
so I decluttered like a machine I actually have a Google slide presentation where every time I threw stuff out in bulk waste I would take a picture of the curb to remind myself of how much crap I got rid of and the craziest thing is to think like all that was in our house like our house is not messy my wife is a neat freak we clean, we scrub floors, we dust, we vacuum every single week. Like, we're not sloppy, gross people. But the amount of stuff that I was getting rid of, and I have nothing but myself to blame, was grotesque. And so as I continue to declutter, you know, things start to happen. And I know this seems like obvious, but it's something for you to think about as well. We're looking at your classroom or your home, um, is... You know, the less stuff you have, the easier it is to clean. Um, the less stress it is, because I didn't feel compelled to like, oh my gosh, I have to be doing this, and I, well, I got to do that project, and oh my gosh, I have this kid over here, and yada, yada, yada. Um, I'm just really able to just hone it down to the essentials um, has really just brought ease. I cleaned down and pared down my office, which used to be cluttered with a lot of stuff. It still needs some work. I mean, I got rid of hundreds and hundreds of books. I got rid of lots of materials in, in my workshop that I just didn't need. I sold things on eBay. We got just a lot of just excess that we don't need that we convince ourselves that we need. I also remodeled a room this year on my own, and I felt really good um, with my learning of power tools, electrical wiring, and installing shiplap, and redoing a fireplace, and all sorts of things, of skills that I never thought I could do, um, and it turned out really well. And with that, so it was our fireplace room, and we then also organized the entire garage, we repainted all the walls, put a shiplap actually in the garage, got rid of a ton of junk, cleaned out the the the, the, the storage shed so that's functional and so now we have a thing that when people walk to our garage it's not cluttered and it flows right into the space that we just remodeled and it looks amazing it puts your mind at ease where my wife and I were talking that before you pull into the garage and it was messy and so you feel stressed and you come into the other room and it felt messy it felt cluttered and you just you st- ended your day coming home where your home should help kind of put your mind at ease actually just ramped up the stress even more and so this was huge um and so i customized the work area in the basement as well as in the garage with pegboard and work tables that i built organized all the tools were organized and labeled um and so this has just helped that transition from work to home and trying to ease that 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 goal of making our home the foundation which all things develop um, and I've also been home much more this year. It's the most I've been home in a long time. And I love it. I love being at all my kids' events. I love not having to FaceTime all the time, but actually just talk to them. And this has been a year where we have had some very hard family situations um, that we've had to work through as a family with our children. And I cannot imagine not being home, not being present for these events, not being there in person, not just for my kids, but for my wife and to build this unity for family growth and support. Um, I'm not going to go into the details. Um, It's something that I just don't think is uh, needs to go there. But I'll just say we have had some... Some things happen um, that has really forced all of us to take a step back and we've had to rethink and and rework so many things 
um, in our lives. Having a freshman boy, a seventh grade daughter, and a third grade daughter. Um, there's no parenting handbook that prepares you for things that you're going to have to endure and deal with. And I know there are people who have dealt with way worse than what we're dealing with, but they're ours um, as we start to think about trauma and things like that. And so um, it was a great reminder that while there are opportunities for growth and learning, um, staying grounded to what matters most, which in my case is my family, um, it was good. So I'm giving myself an A in this category, and I need to make sure I keep it this way for 2020. So I'm giving myself an A in home. I'm giving myself a B for work. I'm giving myself a B for wealth and a D minus for health. Um, so not too bad, um, but definitely some room for some growth. So those are the four things. Um, and so I'm curious to hear from you. What were your themes or goals and how did you do and what are some tips and tricks you've heard me now just kind of ramble on here um, that you thought were helpful? Um, things that were helpful to you or maybe something that I shared that resonated with you to kind of think about. So I want to transition here. Um, and so hopefully you're, you're settled in here as we're approaching the 40-minute uh, the mark here. Um, but I want to move into kind of my state of apps, tech, books, and tools. So there's lots of podcasts that I love that are sharing, you know, their top tools and tips and things like that. And I was like, you know what, it might be good for me to do that as well. Because I've been trying to expand some things for um, just self-empowerment. And I've really kind of refocused what I have on my devices and my phones and things like that. And so uh, I thought that before I wrap up the show, I want to take time to share out what I found to be the most helpful um, in, in these different categories. Um, this is not an, an exhaustive list by any means. But as I'm taking time to reset... Um, and that's something that I'm doing a lot on for 2020 is how to reset for 2020. I want to look back at what I use the most. Some of these are not earth shattering, but people do ask me all the time what I use for this or what I use for that or what I recommend for this type of thing. So here is my list of what I have discovered. Um, and I would love to hear some things from you as well, because this could be a place where we could all maybe find some new tip trick or tool that can make our life a little bit better. Um, and so I will say that this is setting the stage for my next podcast, um, which can be focused on 2020 with my word, my theme, my goals, and all that good stuff. But before I look forward to 2020, sometimes we have to look back at the past, right? So here we are. Here I was looking at my phone. Let's start with phone apps. So my phone, I'm not talking iPad or computers, strictly my phone. Um, and I tried to look at the ones that I've used the most. Um, and one of my goals is to, you know, make my phone more productive tool, not just a, a brain break tool. But with that being said, um, number one, I grouped these together because I have these four in one folder. Um, I removed them from like the main home screen, so I actually either have to search or go to two buttons to kind of get to that. I'm trying to remove some clutter and that instant gratification. Um, and these are Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook. And I have considered time and time again eliminating them from my phone entirely to break the habit of checking them when given a second to breathe. Um, but I can't lie, and I use these four probably by far the most of any apps on my phone. And so the question that I have for myself, maybe for you as a listener as well, 
How do I turn my phone into more of a well-being tool instead of a distraction slash compare myself weapon? Um, and I think that's a, a question I have for myself that I want to dive into more. The second most used app, something that was brand new to 2019 that I did not have on my phone any other time because I didn't know it existed, was Marvel Unlimited. So I bought this as we did a family vacation to Gulf Shores, and I wanted I went and bought all the kids' books. Um, I went on the, I was like, we're just going to do a like just a, a a reset and recharge vacation where we literally did nothing. And so I bought all the kids' books, but I bought this for my son and I to have like in the car ride, and it's all of the Marvel Universe comics. So you pay one fee for access to tens of thousands of comics so right now i'm currently reading all the star wars comics i read the whole um ultimate spider-man series which was just phenomenal the amount of hours spent reading on this not just for me but for my son has been more than worth the cost that i've paid for it an old school tool that i have i used to promote way back five six seven years ago um, that I still use. Not, it's not as popular anymore, but some of my best powerful work and personal conversations has come from Voxer, kind of the walkie-talkie system. And so it's been a great channel as, yes, I use Twitter and Instagram and that kind of stuff, but to move to a space for more intense, robust conversation. Um, and I just have some people on there that have helped me time and time again, and without Voxer, that wouldn't have happened. I can't not have a music app on here, so Spotify is definitely up there. Uh, Spotify is on all the time, whether it's through one of my, I don't know, geez, five to ten Echo devices or the kids or myself. Spotify um, is always being used, so I have to throw it up there at the number four spot. Um, one that I've only used like once or twice, but I, I hesitated from putting it in here that I was like, you know what, I'm going to put it in here. And that is the Amazon Go app. I had the opportunity to go into one of those Amazon like Sphere Biodome stores um, when I was at a conference. And this whole idea of walking into a store, grabbing what you want and walking out and not having to check out is the future. And I just put this in here, even though I only used it once, because I was so fascinated by it that it knew my movements and knew how long I was in there. It automatically charged me. Like, I didn't have to mess with humans. Um, I'm just fascinated by this whole technology. And I just wanted to mark it here because I definitely think this is the future. And I just wish we had one in Iowa. So with that, moving back more into practicality, Adobe Spark, I use on a daily basis. Pretty much every image you see on my blog or social media is made in Adobe Spark, whether it's on my phone or my device. Uh, I use it every single day. Every single day I am using Adobe Spark. It is my go-to tool for just 90% of the work that I'm trying to produce for online content. Um, even a simpler tool than Adobe Spark is my clock on my phone. I use it, again, every single day, setting the alarm. Um, I use it in my practices. I use it as a timer. I use it um, to gauge myself when doing presentations. It is a an app that doesn't need to be updated because it does exactly what I want, how I want it, when I want it. Um, and then kind of go along with the idea of time, um, I'm also I, Google Calendar. I finally have my family on it. We have different uh, 
different calendars or family events, my work event, my wife's work. And so we have things color coded um, without Google Calendar and then integrating that into all my Alexa devices. It's just, it keeps me organized. Without the calendar, I would be lost. Um, you know, in terms of entertainment value, I threw in here the ESPN app um, just because it's used quite a bit for checking scores and getting updates on I don't watch that much TV um, it's not something that I do very much of because I don't have time so the ESPN app allows me to stay up to date on scores and highlights and things like that um, and then finally um, Flipgrid so my top 10 Flipgrid would be the other one using it quite a bit for global collaboration this year um, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of videos have been created and connecting students to classrooms around the world I just think it's it's that app that is once again it's very easy to use it does exactly what you want it to do to be successful so those are my 10 most used apps um, that I have on my phone um, I guess I'd have to put a number 11 in there. I should probably be fair and honest, and that would be my, my email apps. Once again, also thinking of eliminating those as well because I have the terrible habit of my morning. I wake up, turn the alarm off, I check my email, which then propels me to go right into work. So I'm actually thinking, I haven't made the decision yet, to delete email apps completely from my phone in 2020 um, to stop that work me balance monster that I'm dealing with. So there's 11 for you, one little bonus one. All right, moving into tech tools. Here are the top tech tools that I use this year the most uh, of all the things that I have on my life. These are not in order of what I think were the most important or the most minutes, um, but here are the top 10 just in general of all tools that I used. Uh, the first one, iMovie. I still love iMovie. I still think, even though Apple isn't always the most friendly in terms of a lot of things in education, I think iMovie, for me, does exactly what I need it to do for my video production for YouTube. I know I would like to get into more advanced video work. I just don't have time to do that. And so iMovie gives me enough to have my videos look polished. I know they're not perfect. Um, and I can get in and out of it and, and get a lot done very quickly. So... Uh, I made a lot of videos for YouTube this year. My other tool is YouTube. Um, I've really put a focus, even just as much focus into YouTube as I have my podcast, trying to make both of those better. And I have seen drastic improvements in my YouTube channel with uh, subscribers and analytics and minutes watched. Um, I'm not a huge fan of studying all data. I don't do it for data, but looking at that on YouTube, I know that I have made um, some definite improvements because things are paying off. The interest is definitely there. Um, Overcast is my podcast app. That's the app I use to listen to all my podcasts. And so I have yet to find a better one. I still pay for the premium content to support them, and I just love it. I listen to podcasts um, for hours every single day. They're always on. Um, and Overcast is a way to do it. My Amazon Alexa devices, I know there's lots of, I'm still set on the fence with privacy and rights and all those issues, but for us, we use the devices all the time. We have them all throughout our house. It just makes life easier and better. Um, and so that might change with privacy and things like that, but we've got plenty of them and they're not going away. And, um, I just can't honestly imagine life without Amazon Alexa devices um, in our house and on our phones. 
I'm going to put Audacity in here. I still use this free tool for podcast editing. I still find it to do everything I want it to do and more. The monster problem that I have is that Audacity is not updated for the new iOS update, so it doesn't work with Catalina. So I have one of my Macs still not updated, so I can still use Audacity. Uh, so that is a problem. So I'm looking for a new audio editing tool. So if you have one, please let me know. I would love to start to dabble in that so I can get all my devices updated. Another tool that I love using is by a company called Ecamm, um, and it allows me to record my Skype calls. I know Skype allows recording now, but the tools for this, the options allow me for when I do all my interviews for my podcast, um, the Ecamm tool has nothing's been better. Um, I just really, really enjoy what it does, and the options and the settings that I can record with uh, make it top-notch. And I'm going to put Adobe Spark back in here because even though it is an app, it is also a tool because I probably spend more time using it on my laptops and my devices than I do my phone. Um, but once again, it just helps me create nice images time and time again for what I'm working on. And then to round these up, number eight would be WordPress, my, my blogging platform. Clearly, I'm on that every single day, writing content, developing um, blog posts and pieces for all of you to hopefully inspire some learning and new thoughts. Minecraft education, I continue to see this tool become more and more helpful and useful, and I cannot wait for it to finally spread in my state of Iowa, starting to get some workshops and interest with this um, as we start to think about different ways to create engagement connected to learning in classrooms. Minecraft education is a phenomenal tool. And the last one, number 10, my top round out the top 10 tools for tech for 2019 is Skype. I know it's a long lost art. I know when I work with people, not many people have it. They've moved on to Google Hangouts or to Zoom, but I love Skype. I do. My Microsoft community people are phenomenal. My global friends use Skype more than anything else. It's so good. The updates and everything in it is just, it's, it's, it's the way to go. So um, I, I love Skype and I'm on it all the time, constantly collaborating with people. So there you have that. So let's step away from the tech in terms of apps and tech tools and take a look at what I feel are my top 10 books that I read. Once again, these are not in order as number one is not the best book, um, but the top 10 overall. So I started to get back, as I told you, in Goodreads, marking my reading. I had a goal to read 30 books this year, and I did reach that and move beyond. And so here are the books. Make sure in the show notes you'll have links to them all um, as we kind of work through this. And so I told you about the Marvel Unlimited app. So I read all 150-plus Ultimate Spider-Man comic series. So I just listed that as one big book, even though there's several books to that to get it all done. But Ultimate Spider-Man might be the best comic. And I'm not even a Spider-Man fan, but I was reading this series. Um, I'm throwing in here Star Wars, and I just called it Star Wars because I got into the comics, and I'm really liking those, and it sounds like there's going to be lots of new comics coming out in the canon, which is going to be great, and new store, uh, characters and storylines, but I also um, read the book Star Wars Resistance Reborn, the book leading up to the rise of Skywalker, um, and so a good read, and to be honest, the first book that was fiction that I've read in years. 
everything else I've read has been nonfiction, kind of empowerment, creativity, education type books. And so this was the first one I've read in a very long time that was not that. It was pure pleasure reading, and I loved it. Um, one of my favorite books that I probably highlighted more words um, than words that are not highlighted was by Adam Savage, Savage Every Tool's a Hammer, Life is What You Make It. Adam, Adam Savage from Mythbusters and now Tested um, tells his story and he breaks it down by, by tools and it's just, it's so, so good. Like there's so many good things that... Um, you know, don't be surprised if you don't see it as a book, book uh, roundtable discussion book here uh, for 2020. I'm also going to add in here Alan Stein's Raise Your Game. Alan Stein has trained so many basketball players from Kevin Durant to Kobe and everyone in between. Um, did some amazing stuff with DeMatha High School and so many others and Nike and, and whatnot. Uh, his book has some really great, powerful lessons of learning, whether you love basketball or not. And I had the wonderful opportunity to actually have him on the podcast. Um, Teaching AI by Michelle Zimmerman may be the most beneficial, helpful, useful book in education um, that I read this year. And so had her on the show as well. She's so intelligent, so thoughtful. The book is loaded with so many things for you to start thinking about what artificial intelligence means for the landscape of education. And if you're not thinking about that, you need to be. Um, and then 21 Lessons, the most mind-blowing book that I have read in a very, very, very long time. This guy um, has wrote uh, Homo Sapiens and the other books looking at the past, the present, and the future. And these 21 Lessons are this book that's having you think about where we are and where we're going to be. I matched that with the Teaching AI book um, with Michelle Zimmerman, and it just made my head spin in so many different directions. One of the best books of all time that I've read, hands down. Um, I've also added in here Why the Best of the Best by Kevin Eastman. So Kevin Eastman was a coach with the Boston Celtics when they won the NBA Finals. Um, He has a book on these little mini lessons. Once again, I had him on the podcast. Such a huge honor to be able to speak with him, just like it was with Alan Stein. And the book is short, simple, practical, and extremely, extremely powerful. Once again, you don't have to be a basketball junkie to take away stuff from this book. The book that had the greatest impact on me decluttering in my house. I read many of them. And you have I have podcasts where I've worked with people who work on decluttering and things like that. But the book by Joshua Becker, The Minimalist Home, really, really helped me. I use this as a framework. We did a declutter challenge for classrooms. I did it for the decluttering challenge of my own life. Um, just a very practical book with lots of great tips on how to get started, kind of how to organize from like room to room to make it happen. Uh, The book by Seth Godin, This is Marketing, anything by him is gold. I just absorb everything that he writes and shares and does, and this book was no exception. And then the last book that I'm recommending for 2019 is Coders by Clive Thompson. Once again, had him on the podcast as well, talking about the landscape of coding 
not just in education, but the workforce. He spoke with people who do coding for a living. It just opened my eyes to the whole landscape of computer science and coding. And what does it mean for us now? What does it mean for us in the future? A very thoughtful, practical, well-rounded perspective of this topic um, where it's really easy to get tunnel vision and believe that your vision is the way. Um, because I am a maker... And because time and time again, people ask me for a list of supplies or materials or tools of what to buy when they're creating a makerspace or a STEM classroom, I thought I would share my top 10 tools um, that I use this year. So I went back and looked at the projects I made. I looked back at uh, my workbenches. I looked at what I've stockpiled. And here is what I came up with. The tool that has created the most buzz for educators in making in the classroom is a tool called zip snips it is a tool that allows you to cut um, cardboard and fabric and all sorts of materials it's relatively idiot proof and idiot safe i mean there's always someone that will find a way to hurt themselves but it really really allows you to get things cut and moving much faster than by hand or if you don't want to have a razor blade exposed in your classroom so zip snips are phenomenal it's probably the best 35 bucks that i've used um, i have a couple of them now that i bring with me to workshops and every time i share it people are like oh my gosh and they buy it literally like right there in the workshop you know you can't do anything without hot glue so I had to put hot glue in here. I mean, that would go obviously hand in hand with your hot glue gun, um, but it is used in probably 90% of my projects um, for a variety of things, whether I'm using it to insulate wires or to hold things together um, or whatever it might be. Um, hot glue has got to be in there. I also put in there my camera. And so some people might question that as a tool, but thinking about how we document our work. And I think something that has to improve for all of us is documenting the journey. Um, people like the finished product, but people also are fascinated by the journey itself, what's working, what's not working. We can learn more from what doesn't work than what we can from things that do work. And so I always have a camera um, taking pictures and video, and what goes public is just such a small little piece of all the other stuff I document. And so anyone that follows the journey, you're like, good Lord, you're constantly sharing stuff. Yes. And there's so much more that just doesn't make, make it off the cutting room floor, you know? And so with that, my next tool is a document station. I have the guide for a PVC one I, I built that allows me to document builds and do step-by-step -step guides. It's super cheap. It's one I recommend building to whatever size fits your space for kids. And you should have document station stations in your learning spaces for kids be constantly documenting their work. Um, another tool are wire strippers. I'm going to put a link to the one I prefer because it's a super easy tool that pulls the, the, the installation apart um, and just strips it right away. makes it super easy for you. There are cheap little ones as well. Um, you got to pick your poison, but after having years and years of just using cheap ones, I finally invested in a nicer one, and I wish I would have done that five years ago. Now, don't laugh at these next two, but six and seven are notebooks and my Blackwing pencils. They are the most important tools. Every project I do starts with a sketch. I start with a, with a plan of here's what I'm going to do, here's what it's going to look like. Um, and I mentioned Blackwing pencils because those are my favorite. I actually subscribe 
um, to their subscription service. Yes, I know, super nerdy. But Blackwing pencils are my favorite. I love the look, the design, the feel, the sharpening, the lead, everything about it. Um, and so I use those, and everything starts in the notebook. I just have notebooks and notebooks and notebooks of ideas um, because that's where it has to be. With that, this comes with, with that, a ruler. Whether I'm in the notebook or I'm measuring, you know, you measure twice, cut once, and it's just something where I used to just wing it, but over time I'm learning the importance of truly measuring things, getting it right the first time. Um, you have to be efficient with your time, you have to be efficient with your thinking, and a ruler will help you do that. Um, I can't not mention a vinyl cutter. I have a, cameo, a silhouette cameo. Um, when people are all catching the buzz, all want 3D printers, I tell them no. For what you're buying for a 3D printer, you can buy several vinyl cutters. You're going to get so much more bang for your buck, more work done, um, and the possibilities are truly more endless than a 3D printer if you're looking to just get started. Um, this is the, the machine I probably use the most of all machines that I have in my workspace. Um, most of my workspace I use for my day job because uh, we just don't have it in, in my own job. And so the vinyl cutter is used all the time. And to round out my list of tools um, are pliers. Um, and so you can see a lot of these things are just basic tools, but they serve a purpose, and they're the ones that can get a lot done um, without going crazy. And so I think this is important because a lot of people believe you always have to have the next shiny, bright, flashy object, and sometimes the basics are the best. All right, so um, as we start to think about these other things here, uh, I'm going to list my favorite education products for 2019. Here we go, and I'm not going to expand on each of these, but I do want to talk about a few of them. I have Lego Education, in particular the Lego EV3, especially with the new software. It's starting to look like Scratch. It's going to be moving more and more into the cloud to get more users. Um, time and time again, Lego is expensive, yes I know, but with their new kits coming out and the EV3 and the WeDo kits, what I see kids doing to showcase their learning and work through stuff, it is worth every single penny. And I've yet to meet too many people who are disappointed when they get Lego in the hands of kids. Um, Minecraft education, I've already talked about it, computer science, content standards, core content standards, social-emotional learning, um, the this growth mindset, everything you need can be bundled into Minecraft education when you use properly, and it's just something you need to think about. Microbits are my go-to physical computing device, small, cheap, tiny, practical, so diverse and usable um, with all groups, especially when you combine that with my other item, which is MakeCode, a free online coding platform in blocks and JavaScript. It's just the possibilities are endless, and you can also use Microbit with my other product that I love, which is Scratch 3.0. The whole new revision is, is phenomenal. I love it, and the integration of being able to use Microbits or Lego um, or whatever else it might be, making makeys in there, just make it that much more robust. Um, and so also take a look at the Circuit Playground by Adafruit. Works just like Microbit. I put them in the, in the same parallel universe. They just do subtle things differently. Um, not that one's better than the other. It's just a matter of what you're looking for for your product. 
Um, I gotta keep the makey makey in there. It's the one that is like the gateway drug drug to making. We use it time and time again, especially with younger kids, and it just opens up the floodgates of confidence as we start to scale into bigger and bigger projects. And so one of that then is gonna be using the use of Moo, a Python editor, um, which allows you to do some Python coding with your micro bits and things like that. And so as people are starting to weave in computer science standards and start to figure out what that looks like, that Moo editor is just gonna be bigger and bigger and bigger in terms of the relevance. This is a product I call Adabox. And so Adafruit, one of my favorite places that gets just about just as much money from me as does Amazon. They have a subscription box for each month. You get a box just loaded with their latest gadgets and materials for you to build all sorts of projects. And so I use this for my personal slash professional learning because I'm constantly being challenged in my own thinking and project making. And to round out my favorite products, I'm bringing back PowerPoint. Yes, I know it's something that many of you left a long time ago, but if you haven't been using Microsoft's latest products, I'm telling you, they are so good. And PowerPoint's new features and tools and, and the design ideas and just the way you can share it now, it's so good. I used to be completely done with PowerPoint altogether. I used to use Google Slides, but those things are just ugly. Um, and so I've been using Keynote for many, many years. And I found myself in 2019 making more PowerPoint slides than Keynote slides. And so for me, that's telling me that we're really onto something. And if you've avoided Microsoft uh, tools for a while, it might be time to revisit. All right, the last category that I have of my top 10 tools, so bear with me. I told you this was going to be a big episode, guys. I told you. I just wanted to share my top 10 podcasts that I listen to the most. Um, some of these I have listened to for many, many years. Some of these are new to 2019, uh, but these are the top 10, what I view are my favorite podcasts I listen to this year. Um, Still Untitled by Adam Savage, just sharing every week he gets together with some friends and they talk about shows they're watching, projects they're working on, places they visited, um, conferences they're attending, and I feel like I'm always learning something from them just listening to the conversation. And even though I've never been to his amazing makerspace, I always feel like I have a seat at the table when I'm listening. Um, Tim Ferriss, once again, I've listened to him now, geez, for forever. One of my first podcasts and still so good. So robust and well-rounded with the guests and the ideas that he explores. Once again, I'm constantly learning and rethinking my, my philosophy of, of life and learning. Six Pixels of, of Separation by Mitch Joel is probably my number one podcast. If I had to link my number one podcast, it would be that. His guests, his questions, the way he challenges them in a respectful way, I just love. Every time there's an episode, I listen. Even if I don't know the person, I still listen because I just have such respect for how Mitch Joel has a conversation. Um, Akimbo by Seth Godin. Um, nothing else needs to be said. Anything that he creates, you need to be um, absorbing. And his episodes where he just talks about concepts for every 20 to 30 minutes is so good once again it's going to be up there again i have yet to skip any of those episodes this year um, and i hope he continues to make these episodes um, 
cool tools I love. It's Kevin Kelly and Mark um, who sit there and bring in guests and they share their top three or four tools. And I'm constantly learning new tools and gadgets that I need to be adding to my collection. It probably doesn't help with my theme of essential wealth because I'm constantly buying new things. Um, but I'm always learning and I think that's okay. I love Hidden Brain. This is one I have not listened to um, previous to 2019. But after speaking with Lulu Miller from NPR and her book that's coming out soon and just the whole concept of, of wonder, I really got into some of these, these other podcasts, Hidden Brain and Invisibilia and things like that. And so I've really enjoyed listening to Hidden Brain. Um, the Cut. They had a great episode with Elizabeth Warren and her teaching days, and I listened to it probably three times. I made my wife listen to it, and she does not like podcasts. Um, I think this whole thing is done. It's just like a one-year type thing. But the stories and interviews of women um, in this episode, in this season is so powerful. Um, there's some other ones that are really, really, really powerful dealing with trauma, Um but man, I just feel like I had to um, kind of rethink some things and be reminded of things that are important in life. Because of the Marvel Unlimited app and falling in love with comics and then starting to watch the movies with my son again, um, I started listening to This Week in Marvel, where these guys talk about um, the latest comics and things happening in the Marvel Universe, and I love it. It's pure entertainment. Um, it just gives me a break from education and deep thought, but at the same time, the way they break down the characters and the issues, um, I have a whole new appreciation for comic books that I've never even had until this year. Um, never going anywhere without the podcast Cortex. Um, with, with these two guys, they are the best, the Reddit channel that goes with it and everything else. Once again, it's a staple just like Tim Ferriss and Six Pixels of Separation and Cortex. Those are the top three. They've been there forever and a day. They're never going away. Um, the only way they're going to go away is if these guys quit making episodes, which I hope they never do. And another new one this year that I really liked, and I was torn between two, J.J. Uh, Reddick a basketball player at NBA, and um, holding court with Gino, uh, the UConn women's girls basketball coach. Both have podcasts, but uh, Gino's the one I think I listen to more than JJ. JJ has some phenomenal guests and conversations and a really great insight to the NBA and the business model of sports. But Gino's guests are, are so good, um, and I just really love getting little nuggets of wisdom that I can use with my youth basketball program and the girls that I coach. Woo! So here we are. We are over an hour. We're pushing 75 minutes, and we've done it. Now, moving forward in this podcast, I would love to, at this point, entertain listener questions and thoughts and all that good stuff. This episode we don't have, and I've already talked plenty long enough, so we're not going to have it this time. But I'm hoping that I said something that spurred a suggestion, a thought, an idea, a question, something you want to know more about, and you're going to reach out. And in the next episode, I'm going to feature those on the ep the podcast, and we're going to talk through those. So I want to have a segment there where it starts to become interactive, where I get to hear from you guys. I would love to hear from those that are listening. I don't know who you are, but I would love to know who you are and your thoughts with it. So, a couple quick announcements as we wrap this show up and start to think about no longer the past of 2019, but thinking about 2020, are these four quick announcements. Number one, the podcast 
is moving to two episodes a month starting in 2020. So I was trying to do one a week, and it's just too much of a grind, so I'm making adjustments. And be on the lookout for the list of books for the roundtable guest. I would love to have you come join me in a roundtable discussion around one of the books coming out very soon. If you live around Iowa, I am hosting several STEM and computer science workshops in January through April from Minecraft to Microbit to Raspberry Pi to just studying the standards in general. And so if you are local, check them out. And if you need me to head your way, also reach out um, and see if we can make some things happen. I want you to share your thoughts and ideas. So this is the start not just to making this a passive podcast, but one element in the Coffee for the Brain community. And I would love for this to be more of a two-way street of conversation. And if you'd like to comment on this episode, please go to coffeeforthebrain.com backslash 109. Check out all the show notes and the links to everything I mentioned and scroll down to the comment section and either leave a comment or join in on the Flipgrid where you can leave a video response as well. And yes, you can cover your face up if you don't want to be seen. If you have any questions about this topic, please, please, please reach out. This is a perfect way for me to capture your insights to post for the future episodes. And, as always, I'd be so grateful if you'd rate my podcast on iTunes. It helps tremendously with keeping my podcast visible so people who have never heard it can discover it. And if you've already done this, thank you so much. I am forever grateful. Well, my friends, that's it for this episode of Living on the Edge of Chaos podcast. Stay awesome, my friends, and keep pushing the boundaries of what you're capable of achieving.